Hi guys, um, thanks for following my podcast. Um, I appreciate that. Um, today we'll talk about Giedroch Miloszewski's doctrine on Poland's response to Russia's assault on Ukraine. So, in essence, um, this is a little bit historical doctrine, which is um, which was very much in in 1980s, 1990s. Um, so. Um, we've forgotten about it for quite some time uh, in Central Europe because Ukraine uh, was not sure whether to choose Eastern or Western path towards its development. Uh, I mean, some people in Ukraine in the West were so pro-Western and in the East they were pro so pro-Eastern. Now the, uh, this changes and uh, we see Ukraine as a united front pro-Western, with pro-Western, pro-transatlantic aspiration, wanting to join NATO and the European Union. But, you know, um, we need to discuss it from different perspectives. Let's forget about uh, um, current war at the moment. And um, although they seem quite similar, there is a fundamental difference between Brzezinski's doctrine and Giedroch Miroszewski's doctrine. Whereas Brzezinski doctrine was very pragmatic and cautious in outlining future plans for Ukraine transatlantic community, I don't think that Brzezinski actually said that he sees Ukraine as a NATO member. He was rather uh, pragmatic and he was rather um, careful to do not um, suggest anything of this um, magnitude. Whereas Giedroch and Miroszewski saw such a scenario as more possible, more tangible possibility. Because from their perspective, Ukraine's accession to NATO and the EU would strengthen Central and Eastern European geostrategic position. And there is no agreement in the literature on the subject to, as to who wrote that without an independent Ukraine, there cannot be an independent Poland. But it had to be either Józef Piłsudski, the father of Polish independence, and Jerzy Giedrych, the editor-in-chief of the highly influential Paris-based periodical Kultura, uh, the only influential East-Central European liter literary po political publication in the West during the Cold War. And it was a long time ago, honestly. Piłsudski, mm. who basically is uh, believed to say a phrase like that, said that 100 years ago, whereas Giedroch, some 50, 60, 70 years ago, he came up with this idea to, to elaborate it, let's say. So we live in totally different circumstances. Poland is in NATO, Ukraine is outside NATO, and uh, the same applies to European Union. So in general, basically, we know that thanks to Giedroch Miroszewski doctrine, the elite of Polish post-1939 emigres who sought political asylum in Western countries after the Soviets installed Polish-speaking apparatchiks in communist Poland almost anonymously agreed that it would be delusional for Poland to try to expand its Eastern territory to incorporate Vilnius, Novogrodok, Lutsk, Lviv, Ternopil or Ivano-Frankovsk in the post-Yalta world order. Although they did not agree with communists on most of the fundamental matters related to the submissive nature of communist Poland's political system that was completely commanded to indulge the Kremlin's every whim, the free thinkers of the anti-communist opposition such as Kiedroch, 
Sat Matskiewicz and Kaczorowski slowly but surely came to terms with the fact that there is a practicality of Stalin's decision as to the shape of the Poland's eastern frontier with the Soviet Union after 1944. For in the event of Soviet Union's dissolution, a free Poland that would be that would free itself from Russian sphere of influence would inadvertently benefit from a properly demarcated eastern border with Ukraine, Belarus, and Lithuania. Despite what Kremlin's propaganda claims, no one in Poland suggests that former Kresy, eastern borderlands, or Inflanty voivodeship, Polish Livonia, should be annexed by Poland. On the contrary. Thanks to the cosmopolitan nature of the giedroć Miroszewski doctrine, the Polish elite was cured of any delusions of grandeur and smoothly transitioned to neo-imperialist mindset of the Second uh, Republic of Poland's outlook towards the East, tending to reopen many wounds from the past to much more cosmopolitan Third uh, Republic of Poland's zero problems with neighbors. And this policy, at least until 2015, had an uncanny resemblance to the Duvontoglu doctrine from, from Turkey. And ultimately recognizes that uh, there are many independent countries uh, surrounding Poland, uh, like seven of them, uh, and they should be respected, their will, their, um, their um, independence. And that's why, thanks to such visionaries like Giedroć and Miroszewski, who planted the seed, modern Poland was able to foster a strong relationship with its neighbors, even with Russia until 2014, before annexation of Crimea. Those relations have been based on mutual respect, peace, and mutually extended security guarantees that build bridges of mutual understanding and not walls of false divisions with neighboring nations. Forget about the law and justice government. They're just a matter of the past, basically. I mean, they are still in power, but uh, barely. After the next elections in October, perhaps they will be fleeing for their lives, basically, mm, because they are a cancerous uh, bunch of... Um, without uh, using invectives, uh, um, they are misrepresenting Poland's interests abroad. And um, the, par the party or the parties that will take over from law and justice in 2023 will restore a proper course of uh, Poland in its neighborhood. Perhaps our relationship with Russia will be very tense because of the current situation in Ukraine, but uh, the other countries, the other six neighbors, will be will try to improve their relationship with them as much as we possibly can. Nonetheless, Giedroć and Miroszewski were not delusional about Russia's intentions, for they always, even after 1991, saw Russia as a latent threat to Central and Eastern Europe. They knew that in order to stop Russia's expansionist policies after the collapse of the Soviet Union, the Polish-Ukrainian alliance would have to be strongly reinforced, so both countries could achieve more geostrategically beneficial, beneficial situation in which they could embark on chasing their transatlantic dreams. Well, although Poland managed to join NATO in 1999 and the European Union in 2004, Ukraine did not escape 20th century geopolitics and fell victim to Putin's revisionist and neo-imperial policies first in 2014 and then in 2022. But the question is why? Why is that? 
Why Poland, Slovakia, Czech Republic, Hungary, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, they managed to join EU and NATO. Whereas Ukraine um, is a victim, is um, basically prey for the predator. predator. Basically, Ukraine is not strong. It hasn't been strong for the last 30 years. Forget about Zelensky government. Before Zelensky, um, Zelensky is actually a very good, positive uh, leader who, who changed or attempted to change uh, Ukrainian internal politics. Before Zelensky, there was a number of politicians who used uh, an opportunity to be in power to benefit themselves. To not to look after the bellum commune, but to look after themselves, basically. And uh, because of corruption, which is um, basically inherent, uh, inherent and very um, strong in Ukraine, um, many decisions were taken which put Ukraine in very peculiar situation. Unlike Poland, which has supported every Ukrainian action since February 2022, despite of everything, by offering its heavy defensive weapons, defensive ammunition, and hosting millions of Ukrainian refugees, Putin's Russia questions the very right of Ukraine existence. In Munich in 2007, Putin made it clear that he would try to reanimate the corps of the Soviet Union, because he saw that the dissolution of the Soviet Union was the biggest ge geopolitical tragedy for Russia that happened in the 20th century. In 2008, he started the project by sending his troops to Georgia. In 2014, his little green men, the members of the Russian Spetsnaz uh, Special Forces Unit, were instrumental in annexing Crimea. And the next year, Putin sent his army to rescue the not-so-friendly dictator in Syria. There were no repercussions after these actions. And to his surprise, this changed in 2022. For the moment, Russian tanks started rolling towards Ukraine border as an ultimate test of Western unity, Poland and other Central and Eastern European countries were first to react by advocating strong retaliation against Putin's actions. Thanks to this effort, the majority of NATO and the EU nations responded to Putin's geostrategic delusions of grandeur with an unprecedented comprehensive sanctions regime. Yes, thanks to Poland and thanks to other Central European countries who border uh, Russia. Um, but forget about the promises, forget about the promises uh, uh, of European Union and NATO. Uh, France and Germany started sending their military equipment quite late, to be honest. If it wasn't for some tanks, some 240 tanks which were sent by Poland, Czech Republic and other countries in, in the region, I think it would be difficult to, uh, to defend Ukraine uh, in the last couple of months and uh, start the counter-offensive in the East. So although Kiedroj and Miroszewski were idealistic, they were very often criticized for the naive character of the ideas, they were proven right for they managed to inadvertently shape the future of the region and encourage most of the countries that border Russia to more proactive, to be more proactive in doing their utmost to prevent a domino effect in Eastern Europe. For Russia clearly attempted to implement 
Sudetland type scenario in Ukraine in 2022. However, thanks to the memory of how they suffered under Kremlin's domination, they were first to demand the we a Western reaction. Otherwise, Ukraine today would not be governed by President Zelensky, but Yanukovych or another loyal non-Ukrainian speaking apparatchik and the Ukrainian army together with the Russian and Belarusian armies would now be marching towards the West. I'm not saying that it would be composed of uh, pro-Western uh, Ukrainians from the from the West. Most probably it will be pro-Eastern Ukrainians from the East and South. And they will do that uh, whatever the cause. The leaders of these countries were under no illusions that in the event of the Russians well swallowing Ukraine, Putin's appetite would not be satisfied for the Western allies would not promptly come to the rescue and the Ukrainian scenario would be repeated elsewhere. I'm not saying that it will be repeated in 2023 or 2022 at the end, but you never know. <coughs> Basically, um, Putin, if Putin conquered Ukraine very fast, he would thought that he is indefensible and maybe he would attack different countries such as Kazakhstan, Moldova um, or any other country which is not uh, in transatlantic alliance. This is why despite Ukraine still being one of the most corrupt countries in Europe that cannot even stop its officials from stealing from their own soldiers who raised their lives protecting their motherland, the majority of Eastern and Central European countries are still, at least for now, determined to offer Ukraine their unyielding support, whatever the cost. For they know that without an independent Ukraine, there simply cannot be a peaceful Europe of their dreams. And they ultimately would face a more hostile and unpredictable Russia that would be eager to impose some form of Putinization on them. So they are happy to send some military equipment that they would anyway decommission in, in the next two or three years. And this speculation is reinforced by the observation of how the Russian army conducts its operation in Ukraine, for it somewhat uh, resembles the brutal and genocidal Milosevic era ethnic cleansing by the Serbian army of the Muslim populations in the Western Balkans, particularly in Bosnia and Kosovo in the 1990s. The names Bucha, Borodianka, Irpin, Hostimel, Mariupol and many others will always symbolize some of the darkest days in European history, for the Russians were primarily motivated by the same desire to make the occupied territories of modern Ukraine an ethic, uh, ethnically homogeneous Russian area. As a result, the eastern and central countries, European countries of today will unhastingly arm Ukraine with their military equipment, for they know that Ukraine army is fighting for their freedom today. They are particularly eager to contribute to making the Russian special operation, uh, Russia's own Afghanistan, Vietnam and Iraq combined to demonstrate to Putin that his uh, successors and his successors that he has crossed one bridge too many. Andreas Umland recently observed that it would be desirable if the paradoxical Reper, uh, repercussion of an act of aggression would be strengthened rather than weakening of the victim's state's geopolitical position. He also expressed the desire that Ukraine's fate should teach both future possible aggressors and their potential victors three simple lessons. Might is never right. Rules will be upheld. 
and that more powerful uh, states will protect weaker ones. I applaud this type of thinking. It is very idealistic, but I hope that it becomes uh, prevalent. Nevertheless, I wonder whether all NATO and EU countries will, eager, will be eager to preserve this uh, unity of purpose as long as it takes, if Russia persists in waging its deadly Ukraine campaign in the years to come, or decades to come. Are they ready to subscribe to Giedroch Miroshevsky way of thinking? Maybe, maybe not. If you have any comment, please leave it um, in the comment box and I will try to respond as, as soon as possible. Meanwhile, thank you very much for listening and I hope that you have a wonderful day.